I'm Dr. Lori Marvis, co-founder of Plant-Based Telehealth. I'd like to welcome you to the first of our weekly live Q&A webinars. This week, we focused on autoimmune disease. Dr. Chris Miller actually shares her story of lupus. She shares how a whole food plant-based diet wasn't enough to actually heal her, but she goes into depth about all the different details and steps she took to actually find healing. We answer many different questions from our audience, and this is where I'd like to invite you to also share in the comments below what you'd like to hear in future webinars. The webinars occur every Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time or 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So please comment below and we're looking forward to meeting you. We're making plant-based lifestyle medicine available to everyone who desires it. With telemedicine, we are removing barriers that prevent many people from accessing this type of care. Lifestyle medicine promotes healthy behaviors, and when adopted, individuals can expect improvement and, in many cases, reversal of chronic disease. Our bodies heal, so when we do this properly, when we remove all the um, toxins and triggers and everything that's worsening of us, our bodies want to heal. It's what they do. They're designed to heal ourselves. If we cut ourselves, they heal. And I knew this inherently, and so that's been my journey for the past couple several years. And so I finally reached a point where I'm so much better and I don't need those medications and I can finally feel like I have my life back. And really I'm so grateful because right now with COVID-19 and it's really scary and it seems to be affecting people with weaker immune systems more than others. And so um, I'm just really grateful that I've been able to strengthen my immune system. So I feel like I have my army there to protect me if I were to get exposed. And that's something that I want to share with others so that we all have our best chance and we can get through this and do just fine and get on with our lives. So thank you for letting me be here today. And I look forward to getting to talk to you guys and answer your questions. So that's fabulous. So do you guys have any questions? Looks like we got our first question. Um, says from Andrea, she says, can you please address hypothyroidism on your call today? So can you tell us a little bit about thyroid health and food choices and inflammation, things like that, Chris? Yeah, so thyroid is an autoimmune disease and there's a couple certain specific different things to the th that are unique to the thyroid, I guess I would say. And um, so with the thyroid, um, first of all, we wanna just have good thyroid health in general. And so that again, brings us to something like eating anti-inflammatory foods. And those tend to be our plants, of course, foods that are rich in fiber, foods that are rich in colorful phytonutrients, um, antioxidants, and um, are known to be anti-inflammatory. Pro-inflammatory foods that we know of are foods that are high in saturated fats, trans fats, and that's found in baked goods, processed foods, and animal um, foods, including animal meat and dairy products. So when we remove those um, pro-inflammatory foods and we really focus on the anti-inflammatory, fiber-rich, antioxidant-rich, colorful fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes, right there we've already done a major thing for our thyroid in that we've created an anti-inflammatory diet and the nutrients that it needs. From there, the, the, the thyroid needs a few specific nutrients um, so we want to make sure that we're not iron deficient and um, that's a simple blood test that people can look and see. It's, you can do simple screening tests like if you're anemic or not. If your blood counts are normal then we're not so worried without having to always measure the, the iron in people. Um, so we want to make sure we're not iron deficient. We want to make sure we have sufficient zinc. So zinc we get from um, eating things like pumpkin seeds, nuts and seeds and legumes. Um, and those are rich sources, some whole grains like quinoa, rich sources of, 
of zinc. And some people need a little extra zinc as well from a supplement. Um, and we wanna make sure that our, we get a little selenium and we get that from Brazil nuts are known to have selenium and selenium is found in, well, the Brazil nuts, it's also found in a few other nuts and seeds and legumes in, in lower amounts. And uh, we wanna make sure that we have enough iodine. And if we're not eating a salt diet or where we're eating iodized salt, because that's the primary source of iodine for people, we often do recommend a little bit of a supplement for people to make sure the iodine. So these essential nutrients, in addition to the colorful um, uh, fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes that we get in a whole food plant-based diet, will help ensure that our thyroid has optimal health. There's another thing though that really contributes to um, thyroid disease and to um, autoimmune thyroid disease that is, and that is our stress. So stress, if you look at the thyroid, stress affects it on many different levels. It affects whether it's able to pick up the nutrients, whether it's able to incorporate the nutrients, and whether it's able to secrete T4, the thyroid hormone, um, and whether it's able to um, convert it into T3. So, uh, I always, when I talk to my patients and what I want to say now is so many people, their thyroid, they're going to be hypothyroid, their thyroid is really going to be acting up. And when we really work on changing our diet and working on our stress and relaxing and getting exercise and, and changing our mindset from this worry and stress and, and to a, a, a more positive outlook mindset, we see a lot of changes in thyroid function. So those are some basic tips about the thyroid um, that I'd like to share with people. Lori, I don't know if you have anything else that you yeah, add. Yeah, um, so I've been, for those of you who know my story, I've been hypothyroid since the birth of my second child and he will be 24 this month. <laughs> and uh, my husband just turned 50 this today. Um, so we're, we're getting up there in age, but what was so cool is when I went to a whole food plant-based diet in 2012, um, and that's 15 years into being a, um, hypothyroid individual, suffering individual, just thinking that I would always, you know, have escalating numbers, need to take more medication. My thyroid actually got better, not a hundred percent, but I use a much less um, amount of medications than I did before. And that was huge to me because I was like, wow, 15 years into hypothyroid <laughs> disease, awesome. and I still had some functioning thyroid left that was able for me when I stopped the train from, you know, beating up my poor thyroid by changing my dietary habits. And that was the only medicine I take. Um, and I still, that's the only thing I take. Um, I mean, that was phenomenal to me to tell me how much my body really wants to heal. And I didn't realize how much damage was, I was doing because I, I wasn't, I didn't have a weight issue. I felt fine. Um, well, I thought I felt fine. I have way more energy now than I even did 30 years ago. Um, but there's also some questions people have, you know, about um, grotogenic type foods, they're worried about soy foods and certain types of vegetables. So is soy is still a safe thing to say to consume. I would say you definitely don't want to maybe, maybe consume three to five servings a day, um, but it's very healthy for you. It's not going to be an issue unless you're marginally taking the iodine. And with your iodine, you know, you want to do about 150 micrograms per day. Um, so you can get that in a supplement. Um, some people choose to eat some some type of kelp or something. The problem is it's really difficult to say how much you're consuming because you don't want to consume too much, but you don't want to consume too little. Um, but um, that's just a, some thoughts there to, can, to think about. And if you're a pregnant woman, um, they look, they expect you to have that level um, in your urine. So just something to think about. Um, so eat those fruits and veggies, eat the soy, eat your broccoli, eat your flaxseed can be grotogenic. 
um, eat it. Just, you know, make sure you're getting an iodine uh, really secure amount daily. So Next, a couple more things that I didn't, and I see yeah. some milk a factor in hypothyroid. Milk is a factor actually in all autoimmune diseases, including hypothyroid. It's highly pro-inflammatory at the level of the gut and the microbiome, and that's the first level of the immune system. So um, just taking milk out alone can help many people with autoimmune diseases. That tends to be one of the major trigger foods, and that includes all dairy, milk products, ice cream, butter, um, yogurt, all of them. So cream people, I often have people who are like, oh, I just have a little bit of cream every day. But even that little bit, unfortunately, is enough to cause that inflammation and worsen autoimmune. And another thing that people should know is if people are um, hypothyroid, oftentimes, not always, definitely not always, but often, um, gluten can be a trigger for it. And so what it is, is there's an antibody that um, towards gluten when people are eating gluten daily, that is very similar to what the thyroid looks like. So when people start making antibodies towards gluten, they're now making to the thyroid and that worsens it. So usually for people with hypothyroidism, um, autoimmune hypothyroid, I take them off of gluten, dairy initially. And as, as for the story about soy, I definitely keep them on soy. Soy is actually protective against um, um, thyroid cancer. And as Lori said, that it is, it has been shown to be safe as long as your iodine is in a good level. So just like she said, um, but it is actually really protective. So um, you want to eat the unprocessed soy in the form of um, edamame, soybeans, tempeh, tofu, and maybe a little bit of soy milk. Beyond that, it's too processed to actually have health benefits anymore. So like about a serving a day, if you like it or something, just like what Lori said, I agree with that. Um, and so, yeah, those are the few things I wanted to add to hypothyroidism. And that's great because uh, isn't hypothyroidism the number one autoimmune disease, I think, in the country? I think it is, yeah. Yeah, and um, Chris, uh, as we get to this next question too, I think it'll also, the question is, can you talk about rheumatoid arthritis? And can, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, can you describe what molecular mimicry is? Because that's when you're describing the gluten and the thyroid look similar. Can you just, just explain exactly what that is and what's going on in the body and why it's kind of the, the you know, the basis mm -hmm. of autoimmune disease mm -hmm. altogether? Yeah, thank you for that question about rheumatoid arthritis. And rheumatoid arthritis is a very common autoimmune disease. And basically what I have learned is that all autoimmune diseases, well, I shouldn't say all, nothing's ever all, but autoimmune diseases tend to start in the same place, which is our gut. Um, that is where the majority of our immune system is because think about it, that's the major exposure we have to the foreign environment. All the food we were eating, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, all the time, every single day is exposing us to environmental, possible environmental toxins or triggers, exposures. And so right below our, in our, in our gut, we have the microbiome. Um, there, which are bacteria, trillions of bacteria there. And those bacteria are there to protect us. They are detoxifying food, they're digesting food, they're making hormones and enzymes. And when our microbiome gets damaged, whether that's from a fiber-less diet, so if we're eating animal products, if we're eating processed foods, we're not eating fiber. And fiber is their food, it's their fuel. And so a fiberless diet will da damage them. Um, whether we take antibiotics ever in our lives from when we we're kids to all the way to now, whether we um, eat, take things like ibuprofen, steroids like prednisone, um, whether we're stressed out, if we sleep less than six hours, 
for many nights in a row. All of these things, there's so many factors that damage our microbiome. Once the microbiome is damaged, its job is to protect the lining of the gut, which is called the endothelium. And it's one cell layer cycle. That's it. So if the microbiome is, is damaged, it's no longer protecting that endothelium and the endothelium can get damaged. It starts to get broken and it starts to separate. And so instead of being nice, tight cells side by side, it's now got little damaged, little leaks in it. And proteins and bacteria that aren't supposed to be able to go across are able to move across our gut. It's called, it's called endothelial hyper, um, hyper mobility. And it's when the, it's when the, um, not hypermobility. What am I trying to say here? It's when you have, basically it's leaky gut. Mm -hmm. um, it's when they're junctions. Yeah. They're not able to go. They're able to go across there and they shouldn't be able to. And right underneath there, that's where 70% of our immune system is living on purpose to be there to protect us. So the immune system is right there. So when we get these damaged guts, the immune system is right there. And it's, it's seeing these foreign particles come through that should not be coming through through those um, between the cells. And so it gets, it gets lit up. And I like to think of it as a police, like police officers that are working 24 hours, seven days a week, and they don't get a rest. And so people are firing at them. So they're firing, they're firing, they're trying to keep everyone safe, they're firing. But after day, after day, after day, they're exhausted. So they start making mistakes. And so they now start thinking that these foreign proteins are foreigners because they don't know what they are. And they're, so they're start, they start attacking them. They're making antibodies to them. They're trying to get rid of them. They're trying to protect us, which is their job to protect us. But they don't know that our bodies just have leaks and that this really isn't foreign. And so they start attacking it. And so what happens is they attack these foreign proteins and then they start making more cells to attack similar ones. And that's, that is the molecular mimicry where some of our own protein in our body mimic the protein that are coming across in these leaky guts. And so that's the thyroid. In lupus, which is what I have, that's maybe um, the, the um, double-stranded DNA, the DNA inside of the cells are, are, are looking like some of the foreign proteins that are coming across in my leaky gut. Or in rheumatoid arthritis, um, what the proteins that are coming across are, are leading to antibodies that, that mimic the, um, the proteins in joints. And so it, it starts to attack the joints. And so in all different autoimmune diseases, it could be the thyroid, it could be um, in Crohn's disease, it's the gut itself. In um, MS, it might be the brain, the um, tissues, the fat surrounding the, the uh, neurons in the brain. And so that's how autoimmune diseases are kind of formed. And that's why it's so important what we put into our mouths. So we want to heal that leaky gut. That's the first step of healing an autoimmune disease. And we want to repair that microbiome so it becomes protective again. So we get that nice um, tight junctions, the cells are closed up, the leaky gut is closed up, and we can eat food again and not have these um, symptoms. And our inflammation, the immune system that's right below, quiets down. And that's how we have a low inflammatory state and we start to see the improvement in autoimmune diseases, including rheumatoid arthritis, including lupus, including hypothyroid, um, you know, whatever autoimmune disease we might be facing. Fantastic. So um, we have additional questions. So if everyone can put, um, instead of putting the questions in the chat, move them to the Q&A tab. Some people are doing Q&A, some are doing chat. Um, so what I'll do is I'm going to I'm going to disable chat. We'll still answer those questions that are here, but if you'll put them all in the Q&A section, that makes it a lot easier for us. But could you talk to us about specifically rheumatoid arthritis? Um, anything unique to rheumatoid arthritis? Yeah. yeah. 
With rheumatoid arthritis people, I start with the diet just like what I just described. And so we would go with a plant-based whole food diet to start with. And um, depending on how many food sensitivities that person has, um, we would we may have to do some an elimination diet with it. So that would mean it's more of a vegetable heavy diet instead of allowing all the beans and the grains and um, the whole grains, unprocessed grains. Um, we can we can we condense it down to a lot more vegetables because those are what heal autoimmune diseases typically um, and people who have food sensitivities it's often to some of the other the high higher protein foods even plant-based foods the higher protein plant-based foods which are the beans and the whole grains and so we may do lots of things like green juices for people with a lot of food sensitivities who have to get all of these antigens these triggers out for a little bit green juices which are vegetable based juices we might do green smoothies um, which is a way to flood the body with lots and lots of greens um, and then and fluids so they get nice and hydrated and we might do lots of green salads um, and with a little bit of cooked veggies um, maybe in the forms of vegetable soups or steamed veggies things like that and so we do a vegetable heavy to start with and then we start adding some of the beans back in, the grains back in over time. So that's one thing that I do for rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis. Another real important thing is working on stress. And we're gonna talk about that, I think a little bit more, but um, stress is such a trigger. And that was one thing for me, I did all these dietary changes, but as long as I was stressed out and worried and had all this anxiety about my disease and my illness, I wasn't getting better. And stress, stress became the major thing for me where I had to work on my mindset. I had to do my meditation. I had to learn how to meditate. I had to go out for walks. I had to um, do start doing yoga. Um, I, had, I started doing things like coloring books and reading books for fun and taking baths and things I never did. I never thought I had time to do. It turned out to be so important for me. So I really work on that with patients because, and you can evaluate yourself. I think we all know how much stress we're feeling every day. And I always ask people, what are you doing to actively relax and to calm down your immune system? Because it actually decreases, directly decreases cortisol. And we have over a hundred stress hormones and every one of those stress hormones is lighting up our immune system. And so um, we're on all these, I was on all these immune system depressing medications. And at the same time, I have these stressful thoughts and I'm lighting up my immune system all day long, basically, because I'm thinking them all day long. So that's a huge um, trigger for it. And then another thing specific to rheumatoid arthritis is joint work. So when our joints get swollen and red and hot and painful, um, we really want to move them. Our joints are meant to move and be lubricated. Um, we want to increase blood flow to them. Often um, joints are like in the knees, the fingers, the wrist, the feet. So we want to we start real gentle with daily little bits of movements. And um, there's actually really good studies supporting yoga. For, um, for rheumatoid arthritis. And people did a yoga class three days a week for one hour for eight weeks. So two month yoga class and had 50% reduction in their quality, their amount of pain that they were going through. So just, I, and, and in my mind, cause I, start, I read that study and I, that's why I went to yoga. I thought, oh my God, really? I gotta go to yoga. So I started yoga three days a week for at least an hour. And I noticed the same thing and I thought, one, I was moving and lubricating my joints, right? And some of it hurt. I couldn't do everything, but I just did what I could do. And um, so it was painful at first, and it really wasn't that fun, to be honest. But um, but another thing it does is it focuses you. For that hour, I was just so focused on trying to hold a pose or trying to breathe the way they told me to breathe or 
And that in itself, I think, was helping my immune system like downregulate itself. It, it was teaching me things that I didn't know. And so I think I can understand now why those studies, why yoga truly is so helpful for rheumatoid arthritis. And this study was done with rheumatoid arthritis patients, specifically with their joint pains. Um, and two other things, I guess I would say, specific to autoimmune people, as far as supplements go, um, I, I tend to put people on a probiotic just at the beginning, not forever, but um, because our guts tend to be so dysfunctional. And if we're feeling, if we have this many food sensitivities and leaky gut and we're having our inflammation so high, I tend to use a probiotic twice a day uh, for a couple months at least at the beginning. And the second thing is vitamin D3. I now live up here in New England. I just moved to New Hampshire six months ago. And um, the sun in the winter, anything north of Boston, we know that there's not enough um, sunlight. So a low D3 actually worsens your immune state too. You, you want to be, you don't want to be super high, but you want to be in the optimal level just to have immune support. So those are two things that I would definitely pay attention to. Um, and so as far as, I think that's rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think rheumatoid arthritis is probably one of the most quickly responding uh, autoimmune diseases to a plant-based diet. At least that's been my experience with patients. No, it absolutely, actually there's, yeah, it's totally true. And, and Lori, I hope we can start getting data when we work with people on our website. Yeah, oh yeah. Website. But um, <laughs> it is true. Rheumatoid arthritis, once the leaky gut heals with dietary changes, people tend to do really well. So we just want to get that good, healthy microbiome in. We want to move the pro-inflammatory foods, get starting our fiber-rich foods, and people tend to do really well. So um, yeah, if anyone wants in with rheumatoid arthritis wants to work with Lori or I, and if you're in one of our states, we're so happy to help you, um, guide you through the steps to get you to feeling better. Absolutely. And another question here is, how about psoriasis? Mm, great question. Um, so there's been some articles actually came out about psoriasis and in, in the International Journal of Disease Reversal and Prevention. Um, and there's been some good studies that people going on a whole food plant-based diet um, who have psoriasis and the diet was also gluten-free and anti-inflammatory. And what that means is um, avoiding the food triggers like I talked about, people have certain food triggers like gluten. And when we, when they went on this whole food plant-based diet, and another big trigger for psoriasis tends to be sugar. So people were eating still maple syrup, especially where I am in New Hampshire. People are still eating maple syrup, but they're doing this diet, but that in itself can be a trigger for people with psoriasis. So when they finally took in the in addition to sugar, it was um, the flours, the processed flours. And I find that whereas oatmeal, people can do great with whole oats, like um, steel cut oats, oats or old fashioned oats, when they start um, grinding it into oat flour and say baking it into muffins, even that can become too much sugar and their psoriasis starts to flare. So a whole food plant-based diet means intact whole grains um, without any sugar. That's the anti-inflammatory part of the diet. And then, and then just, yeah, focusing on their veggies and their fruits and their stress and, and their movement and great relief with psoriasis. In fact, it can, I have several patients right now, and I think, Lori, you probably do too, but their psoriasis patches completely go to either real light pink or completely resolve. So yeah, majority of them disappear. Mm -hmm. so, so you should, yeah, there's good odds with that one too. Absolutely. <laughs> Next question. Is it uh, important always to remove gluten from any autoimmune disease to begin with? Um, yes. So that's a tricky one. The data so far right now is not necessarily supporting that all autoimmune diseases need to remove 
gluten. So I want to say that right off the bat if we're following evidence-based medicine. But that being said, when I work with my patients, I've noticed that gluten often is a trigger. And what we do know about gluten is gluten can worsen leaky gut. It can cause um, loss of the tight junctions to form, um, to no longer be formed, I guess I should say. And so Yes, gluten is something I take out in all my patients when we're starting the diet. And that's what I call the anti part of the anti-inflammatory healing diet. A normal, healthy person who goes plant-based, who's doing it to reverse diabetes or for heart disease, I don't take gluten out. I think it's a wonderful, healthy food to eat whole grains. But an autoimmune person, I definitely would take it out at least for three to six months, probably, while they're healing. Once they're healed, they can try to reintroduce it. And some patients can tolerate it back in just fine. Other people can't. So um, yes, if you have an autoimmune disease and you're struggling with it and you haven't got the results that you want with a whole food plant-based diet, I would definitely take it out and, and see if you notice a difference. Perfect. And then we had another question about the thyroid, which we did discuss at the beginning of the conversation. And yes, you can potentially get off Synthroid. I would say, Chris, we didn't address that specifically. Someone is asking, you know, Hashimoto's, which is what I had, I improved. Mm -hmm not able to get off the meds, but some people early in the stages of Hashimoto's, I, I've seen actually remove themselves from the medication. Has that been your experience? Exactly my experience. So the thyroid is unique in that once, and I guess with all autoimmune diseases, once you get end organ damage, you can't really repair it as far as we know, although we're still, we're, we're starting to see some regeneration. So I should never say never, right? We'll hope for that. But in general, once you have end organ damage, um, so if the thyroid is damaged, then you, you, what you're looking for is anything that's not end organ damage, and you can start to get that to repair itself, but it, but often people still need their Synthroid. Mm -hmm. Okay. But they then, can cut it down just like Lori did, and yeah. if it's actually get off it. I have, I've seen it too, or definitely. Yeah, I'm definitely lower. I mean, it's been, but it's been many decades. So, and then um, we had a question regarding epilepsy. Someone mentioned that they had an improvement, fewer seizures. Is there a connection with epilepsy? I mean, this isn't an autoimmune disease. Um, epilepsy is a difficult thing, but if you think about decreasing inflammation, I would say that would maybe be the start of maybe part of an improvement, but I don't know of any studies. I haven't really looked into that myself. Chris, do you have any I don't know the about... studies either, but I have worked with patients with epilepsy who are um, who went whole food plant-based and actually do feel better. And I think, just like you said, I think that has a lot to do with overall health status. So once you're feeding the colorful um, phytonutrients and antioxidants, you're putting on inflammation and you're fueling um, the body with what it needs. And then, you know, you remove things like caffeine and alcohol and triggers, you remove the triggers and you improve your sleep and you start fuel filling each cell with the nourishment that it needs to be its optimal, healthiest self. And um, I, I feel like I've seen it with my own patients. I don't know what the, the studies say either. Yeah, that would, That'd be interesting though, just to kind of look, mm -hmm. you know, dive into the neurology type thing. That might be a good, uh, another yeah. discussion. Um, and we have another question. Does the patient get adequate nutrition initially with a diet comprised solely of vegetables and fruit, i.e. eliminating legumes and grains, add nuts and seeds as well? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's a great question. And it's, yeah, we wonder that. Um, first of all, these are short-term diet plans and they're healing plans. So we know that we can do well with that. And um, there's different ways we can do it. So if we do juice fast, people can do that a week easily. 
well, I shouldn't say easily, it's not easy, but you can do a week without have feeling any malnutrition. Uh, people water fast too, but we're not talking about that quite yet. As far as fruits and vegetables, um, yeah, there's a lot of people for, who are highly inflamed with many food sensitivities who have really severe autoimmune diseases or inflammatory states and will do all raw diets at that point. And what that is, it's the, when you eat it all raw, it's the highest amount of um, living phytoenzymes and phytonutrients that you lose some of those when you cook them. And so, um, and it's the easiest to digest because it's still in its raw state. And so um, people on a all raw diet includes raw greens, um, trying to aim to eat, eat at least a pound a day of raw greens, and then any other raw vegetables, raw fruits, in addition to those raw vegetables and nuts and seeds, about half a cup a day. Um, and a diet like that is people can, yeah, people can go for on a diet like that for years and do well on it. I myself, when um, I was so sick with kidney disease, I did an all raw diet for five months and um, anecdotally, but I had a low, low protein in my blood because I was peeing out protein um, because I had lupus nephritis. And so my, my um, kidneys were leaky and they were peeing out um, protein. And so when I, I saw that in my doctor actually, who did not know about whole food plant-based diet, he's an internal medicine doctor who's very kind, but he just didn't know. And um, he told me I need to eat animal protein because he knew I was um, vegan. And I said, oh my gosh, I can't eat animal protein. That'll kill me because protein is really hard. Animal protein is really hard in the kidneys to break it down because of the nitrate group on it. And so I was, I was freaked out that he even told me that. I was like, this is horrible advice. He obviously doesn't understand how the body works. And this is me, the patient, not me, the doctor, but me, the patient. I was panicking. I was like, this is terrible. I can't follow that advice. And so I then worked with another physician who um, helped guide me. And I did a whole, I did an all raw diet um, for five months, just eating the, basically vegetables with a little bit of fruit and um, flax, flax seeds, chia seeds, and nuts and seeds. And that was it, nothing but that five months. And I did smoothies, I did juices, I did salads, I snacked on carrots. And I rechecked my blood in three months and my protein was normal. So it had gone up, my blood protein, it was in a total normal level. My albumin was normal, it had corrected. And what that means is I wasn't eating animal protein and there's such a balance in our bodies. It's not just what we're taking in, it's what we're, um, how we're losing it too, if we're excreting it out, whether we're peeing it out or we're not uptaking. Uh, many people don't digest it, they're not absorbing it. So actually going whole food plant-based improves their absorption of animal protein. Um, and heals the gut anywhere from the esophagus, the stomach, all the intestines, all the way down to the colon, anywhere that you, and even the kidneys, as I just showed you, but anywhere you heal, it can significantly improve your protein status. And people, there's bodybuilders who are on these plant-based diets eating just the vegetables. So there's many different ways we can build it to make sure that you're getting enough nutrition. And, and even with people on diets like this, when I work with people, I can assess them. If they're feeling fatigue, at the beginning, it can be withdrawal. And there's a whole lot of reasons why people have fatigue. But after go, you know, going a couple of weeks into it, that's where we see energy improving. So um, yeah, we can do just fine. But the ideal diet for long-term is to have a more diverse microbiome. Diversity is key to long-term health and longevity. And so once we've healed our autoimmune, the major inflammation, we really do want to start to bring in things, I think, like grains and, whole, and legumes to really diversify our microbiome to give us that disease protection. But we can go for a while without it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think beans are the one food associated with longevity around the world. So 
as you know, like Chris said, you know, for a short term, it healed your kidneys, mm -hmm. allowing you to turn off the faucets. So you weren't losing anymore, but you were obviously getting enough protein from plants. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a test. Yeah. Excellent. And so the next question from Mary Thomas, if I think it's a Mary Thomas from um, Florida, <laughs> I know well, uh, what about psoriatic arthritis? Mm -hmm. Great question. So psoriatic arthritis affects the joints and it's a form of psoriasis. Psoriasis can be in the skin um, causing rashes and plaques or it can be in the joints. And so it also responds quite well to a whole food plant-based diet, um, just like what we talked about with psoriasis. So going for the anti-inflammatory healing um, plant-based, whole food plant-based diet, which is removing gluten and eating lots of extra vegetables and fruits and a fiber-rich diet you should see some results with that as well. And before we get to the next question, can you just talk a little bit about nightshades, um, vegetables, because some people may need to remove those as well, but not everybody, but just a yeah. few. Um, good question. Thank you for bringing that up. So that, so you see, you'll see a lot on the internet about nightshade vegetables and what the nightshade vegetables are, it's tomatoes, eggplant, white potatoes, um, bell peppers, bell peppers, goji berries, those and are some paprika. And paprika, right, everything in the pepper family um, and all the spicy peppers, unfortunately, as well. So those are the nightshades. And what it is, is the nightshades have a um, protein in them that can actually trigger people's um, immune system. So, and the cut can lead to joint pains. It's known for that. The data shows, I think about 10% of people with um, inflammatory arthritis have a reaction to nightshade vegetables. So that means 90% of people don't. Um, so 10%, and what I found in my own practice and experience is it's just like other food sensitivities. Some people have a reaction and some people don't. So um, you may at the beginning, if you're not getting, I typically don't take it out anymore and everyone right at the beginning because I find more people can eat them than not and they're such healing foods. If you can eat tomatoes, I want you to eat tomatoes. They're really anti-inflammatory and good for you. If you can eat eggplant, eat eggplant. But um, those 10% of people will need to remove it. So if you find that you're not getting the results you want, you'll want to do a trial, do three months, maybe take out all the nightshades. And you can also start with taking them all out. Um, so at any point, do that trial. But for me, again, a doctor told me, take, don't eat nightshades, don't eat nightshades. So I didn't eat nightshades. For about two years, I avoided all of those. And I just kept reading about how nutritious these foods are. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to try it because I don't know. And not that many people react to it. I don't know if I do or not. So I tried tomatoes and I did fine. In fact, I felt great. And then I added the peppers and I felt great. So, you know, after all that, and I had a lot of joint pain. So they, it was not a trigger for me. And I'm really glad I, I reintroduced them back in. So, um, but that's a great question, Laura. You can, anyone with any joint pains who aren't getting the results, we start to look at food triggers. And there's certain ones such as the nightshades that can be can be a trigger. And this next question kind of goes back to your own story. So would you please elaborate on your lupus story and tell us about the additional steps you took in addition to a whole food plant-based diet to improve your condition? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, I was so excited when I learned about whole food plant-based diet that people were able to reverse autoimmune and I knew I would get better and I was so determined and I was beyond excited about this and I just jumped in it um, with both feet forward and changed my diet and I never went back and it didn't get better. <laughs> And um, I mean, I lost some weight and the inflammation went down. So that was amazing. And I wasn't complaining about that. But 
I still had joint pains. I still had, um, my lupus affected my lungs. I had pleurisy, so it hurt me to breathe. It was around my, the sack of my heart. I had pericarditis, so I, it hurt me to lay down. It was in my kidneys, so my blood pressure shot up and I was peeing out that protein I talked about. It was in my joints and it would move. Oh, it would, it would be in my elbow, my knee, and my Achilles tendon and my hands all the time. I mean, it was terrible. And it, it didn't go away with the whole food plant-based diet. So I was so determined though. you look online, you see all these people reversing their, their, their autoimmune diseases in three months and oh my God, my health is back. And I was like, what the heck, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And so I kept tweaking my diet and I started to realize when I ate certain foods, not the nightshades, I did find those, but if I ate certain foods, even plant-based foods, I would flare. So I would get worse joint pains or worse pleurisy when I was breathing. And so things like brown rice, I couldn't eat brown rice. Um, I couldn't eat oats, I couldn't eat beans. And that's why I take that out with a lot of my patients. I find a lot of patients early on when, they're leak, when their guts are so leaky that they can't tolerate these foods. And so that was exactly what was happening with me. So it took me a while because nobody really guided me. They just said, oh, you got to go whole food plant-based. You'll get better. You'll get better. So I, um, I started removing those. And even then I was doing these green smoothies. And when I was doing the raw diet, I still realized I didn't feel great. I, I still had joint aches. I still had it. And so I started juicing when I did the green juices, um, which are filled with things like kale or bok choy or broccoli, they have a little bit of green apple, um, celery, cucumber, sometimes carrots, lemon, ginger, um, turmeric. That's sort of my basic go-to green juice, but it depends on what, what I have in my fridge also. But I would make these juices and I would drink it. And within a day of having green juices, my inflammation would go down. And so I knew it was related to what I ate. I knew it, all this terrible pain and symptoms. It was my food. So I, I was so sure of that, but I couldn't figure out how to overcome that. So I started incorporating these one day a week of juicing or three days once a month of juicing, um, which it's not easy. So when I work with my patients and they complain, like I get it, you're hungry, you're cranky, you can't think well, you don't get a lot done. So it's not easy to juice. But what's great about it is how good you feel. After I juice for a day, my inflammation, I, my body's just like, oh, thank God. Like, it's amazing how fast it heals me. And so I started doing that more often. So that's one trick that I use. And from there, I would just slowly bring back in the vegetables. And when I do that type of diet, and I still do, like today was a day of juicing. So Sundays are my day, I just have juice. Um, and it really, really helps me. So I do that. That's one thing that I do. And then another thing that I had to do was really work on my stress. Like I talked about, I was so stressed out and maybe because I'm a doctor, maybe it's because who I am, probably both, but, um, I know the complications of lupus. I know what can happen. And I saw it happening in myself and I was panicking inside my head. And it was like, it was always there on my shoulder. And I know it might be with you too. Even in a good mood, when you're in a good, having a good day, you still know that you have this terrible autoimmune disease. And so, um, I had to start learning to break free from that, to dissociate myself from the disease. So I picked up things like I couldn't even meditate because my mind would just go right back to how terrible my life was. And so I had to do, start with things like coloring books and drawing, um, doing puzzles, just simple, basic things where I focused on that instead of me. And that helped from there. I was able to jump into um, visualizing and, you know, listening to audio tapes for meditation. And then from there into meditation. And now I do meditate. I've been able to break free and learn that I'm not the disease and, and my body's different. My story's different. I can't expect the same results. This is, you know, so in gratitude and journaling. And I really played with a lot of this. I studied mind body. I studied meditation. I, I now do yoga regularly. Um, so that was very, very important to me. 
And I would say a lot of um, people talk about whole food plant-based diets. And whenever I hear people talking, I think that's all great, but it's not enough. For many of us, that's not enough. Like the mind-body part is so crucial. And anxiety and maybe past traumas, maybe things that happened when we were kids, um, they call them ACEs, which is um, um, acute um, childhood events or um, that people have. Yeah, and it's it's any um, trauma that they have as a kid that affects us when we're adults. And so, um, you know, a lot of us with autoimmune disease have things like this, we may not even realize it. And so we have to sort of deal with that too. So that's a second really important thing. And a third really important thing that I also had to work on is sleep. Um, I was an emergency room doctor, I stayed up all night, I used to drink a lot of caffeine, now I don't. But um, so I had to learn to teach myself how to sleep again, which took a long time, it wasn't easy at all. And so um, I built this whole plan where I think of it like our bodies are this, it's a, it's a terrain, it's this environment. And when you put in everything that's good and loving and kind and beautiful to your body, it heals and it grows and it becomes who it's, what it's supposed to be doing. And that is food. Absolutely. That's food, but it's so much more. It's our, it's our, it's our thoughts, every thought. It's our, how we sleep and rely, allow ourselves to repair. It's, it's how much we move it. It's how much we connect with others. And it's the whole, the, it's a whole milieu that builds a healthy body. And so I really focused a lot on that. And, um, it's helped. Every step that I've done has really, really helped me. So I don't downplay any one of them. So. So I've been a friend for Chris for the majority of her journey with lupus. And I can't tell you how much when she's grown as a, as a person, but just her knowledge base. And so I've seen Chris try different protocols that are out there and get worse. Um, but when Chris actually looked, took the time as a doctor and investigated her own case, she has done so phenomenally well. And that's what gives her such a unique position in this type of, you know, plant-based telehealth to help others who have really tough cases or even those who don't have tough cases. But, you know, I always told Chris, I said, Chris, you're going through this really difficult journey for a reason. And I think we're at that point that, you know, from the very beginning, I said, Chris is like, why aren't I getting better? I was like, because there's you have a place, there's a future that you're going to help people with your journey. And it's such a wonderful thing to be a part of where she is now to see that. So Chris, thank you for sticking in there and just really just, you know, sharing your story. We really so appreciate you. Thank you. It's, it's always my pleasure because I see people like me struggling and we can't understand why we didn't get, the, we're not getting the same results as others. And we take it on ourselves. Like what's wrong with me? Just like I did probably. And I love working with people to, to, to take a look at themselves and we, we figure out what it is, what that person needs. And because when we give it what, give our bodies what we need, all of our bodies will heal, all of them. So, but, but it can be tricky. And there are other things that can affect autoimmune diseases like toxins. So people who have high mercury levels, whether that's from cavities or having eaten fish in the past, that can cause the immune system to still be triggering itself. Or if people have occult infections like Epstein-Barr that's still active or, or Lyme disease, or um, Lyme disease is known to be a trigger for rheumatoid arthritis and autoimmunity. So um, if there, there are other triggers and other reasons, um, environmental toxins, pollutants, uh, so we do, if people aren't getting better with all of these initial things, we do look into some of this as well, but that's a lot more rare. So the, the more common things we start with that, obviously. So fantastic. And I think that the next question is about MS, um, if you could speak to it, but could you just mention the last little bit you did why you moved away from Colorado? Yeah. So 
I moved from Colorado. I lived in Aspen, Colorado for 13 years and I loved it there. I really loved it there. We had a great community and neighborhood and really nice people. Um, and it was so beautiful, but I didn't feel well. And I started to realize that whenever I was in Aspen, my fingers were always swollen, all of them. My fingers just had a base, even when I felt good, even when I was juicing and meditating, doing all these things, I had baseline swelling and I would go to Denver or I'd go to Chicago to visit my family, or I'd go, you know, to, on vacation or even to a conference and my swelling would completely resolve and I, I would feel good. I would just feel better. And, and I started to notice this and um, and so, and as soon as I got back to Aspen, the, the joint pain would come back, like it's basically the, right away when I got there, like almost immediately. And so I started to see a link. And so I did some research with Lori. We both did that together and started noticing that at high altitude, which is 8,000 feet, which is right exactly where I was living, um, is it, they have seen increase in autoimmune lupus symptoms and worsening organ damage and worsening um, kidney involvement, which I had high, more high blood pressure. And I had a lot of those symptoms. I thought, oh my gosh, this is me. So I realized it was time to move out of Aspen. So it was hard. It was not a fun journey, um, but I'm here in New Hampshire and it is beautiful. And, and there's a lot of um, wonderful people here and family. So that's all been good. But um, I do feel better. My joint pain is, my swelling is completely resolved. So it's been pretty awesome to be here for that reason that I, uh, the altitude affects me. So, and I saw that in a lot of my patients too, people with even gut issues, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, other autoimmune diseases at altitude in Aspen, they would notice the symptoms and even just going down to Denver, they would feel better. So if you're living at high altitude, like somewhere in, um, in Colorado or other places, just keep that in mind and play around with that. See if you notice a difference. I'm not saying everyone has to move, not at all, because it's really hard to move and stressors are not good on our immune system. But if you notice a difference, you may want to start playing around with that a little bit. Perfect. And so the next question, could you please talk about um, multiple sclerosis or MS? Yeah. MS is a tough disease, um, you know, just dramatic traumatic, terrible symptoms with MS. And the amazing thing is we've seen responses with MS with a whole food plant-based anti-inflammatory diet, basically. So I follow the, the same plan, the same protocol. I start with just a whole food plant-based anti-inflammatory diet, which means no gluten um, and no sugar products in it, like um, even flowers. So it's all unrefined grains. I go vegetable heavy, um, make sure your vitamin D is okay. Uh, make sure your I put them on a probiotic and um, go from there. Yeah. And just really hammer the colorful fruits and vegetables. I always encourage all of my, um, my autoimmune patients to get, try to get in a pound of raw greens a day. Uh, the raw greens really are the most healing and I can feel it myself. So that's where the juicing, the smoothies, the salads come in, however you want, how, whatever works for you. Um, and play around with the variety, maybe that day of juicing, if you know, if you, if you notice a difference, but yeah, just that alone, people have reversed it, still eating beans, still eating grain. So it depends on the person, but, um, we should see a halting at least of symptoms and often resolution of symptoms that where the, um, we start to see it go down, but again, everyone is different. And so, um, really pay attention to stress, really pay attention to gentle movement when you can, when it's, when your body allows you to do that, um, pay attention to sleep. Um, and if you're having trouble work, I hope you can work with me or Lori and we can help guide you for that. Absolutely. And I've uh, had MS patients that they halted. Um, they didn't 
have they had a weakness in like extremities or something and that actually halted they, and they reversed their diabetes and all the other chronic diseases that often come with the foods that we're eating that cause the enemies. So, yeah. so there's benefits in many ways. So um, Sherry is a really good question. I think this is something good. Can you talk about some of medications that used to treat these diseases like Humira? What do they do? What are the side effects and are they capable of doing harm? Mm-hmm. That's a tough question. Yeah, I was on a lot of them myself, Sherry. So I understand that. I took prednisone. I took Salcept, which is an anti-cancer drug um, to protect my kidneys. And I took methotrexate, another anti-cancer drug. And I had to do it by shots because the oral medications weren't working. Um, And then Humira is another one you asked about. So what they are, there's different ways that you can block the immune system. And um, the immune system, you know, what the way it works is it binds to a transcriptor factor, which binds to a cell, which lights up a whole bunch of cells that are the, your army, that turns on your army. And so either you can wait, there's different levels that you can turn off that army in different types of places. So things like prednisone, which is a, is a strong immunosuppressant. If any of you have ever taken prednisone, you know we feel good when we take prednisone because it blocks the whole dang immune system, but it's so dangerous because it blocks the whole dang immune system, right? And so it blocks it up high up on the chain. And so then we have um, everything is turned off. And that's one reason that um, your inflammation goes away, the joint pains go away. But if you were to be exposed to COVID-19 or to um, a cancer cell in your body, your body has no army anymore, right? It's been knocked down. So it's really a scary drug, plus the side effects, diabetes, osteoporosis, um, um, psychotic breakthroughs, not sleeping, so many bad things with prednisone, but I've taken it for years. So I get all that. Um, so that's, that's up high. Then there's the, the anti-cancer drugs and, in um, they're blocking at a different level. And then there's the more specific ones like, um, Humira that you asked about, they actually block some antibodies. So they have, they find different antibodies. There's different antibodies for different autoimmune. Humira is used a lot in psoriasis. It's used in um, skin reactions and some um, joint type things as well. And it, it, there's a certain antibody that it's targeting, which is if this is the immune system again, there's, you know, it's up here, it's up here, it's up here. And then it goes to all these antibodies. And so Humira blocks like right in this area. And so, um, and then that goes on to, you know, do other things have other inflammatory effects. And so, so it seems like, okay, well, that's good. It's, it's a little more focused than prednisone, but what it is, is it's powerful right there. And that, and these antibodies are important to us. They still have causes. They still protect us against cancer and, and these infections. So that's why if you listen to the ads for Humira that come on at nighttime when the news is on or whatever, um, it'll talk about all the side effects, including, um, including high risk of getting infection and, can- and certain cancers like lymphoma. And that's because though that's your immune system that's preventing you from getting cancers and infections. So they're very dangerous in that sense. And in fact, people who are on Humira for 20 years have a very high risk of having a lymphoma or other cancer. And I don't mean to scare you totally by saying that because I was on my, my own inflammatory for a while, but enough to say that they're not, they're scary drugs. And especially right now, anyone on any of these drugs really has to be home isolated, completely quarantined basically, because if, if you're exposed to COVID-19 and you're taking these, you don't have the army that you need right now. So be really, really, really careful, please. Don't stop them though. You can, here's the thing about those medications. You cannot just stop them. What happens is especially prednisone up here, blocking the whole, the whole team or, you know, the individual ones that they're working, 
working down here, um, what happens when you stop them is they, um, re your immune system rebounds. And so, you know, for the Humira, you'll have a rebound in that specific antibody. For prednisone, you'll have a rebound in all of these. And one thing that happens is your immune system goes home. And whatever pains you were having before are intensified tenfold. So like my lupus would go absolutely crazy or joint pains would go crazy. Everything goes crazy. Plus with, with prednisone, there's another problem that you get a depletion of cortisol and low blood pressure and all that as well. So you cannot just stop these medications. You have to work with your doctor and you have to slowly taper them back. Um, but you can, once your immune system is getting healthy and once you feel so well and your antibodies start going down on their own in your blood, because you don't have the inflammatory triggers anymore coming in, then you start tapering them down. And with each taper, um, done the correct way, you get your army back. And so, um, they're, they're really protective. Um, they're really protective of your, of your, of your immune system once you stop it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's a very good question and very good answer. So, um, the next question is, can you recommend a good probiotic? Um, I think so. I have been using, there's, there's several good ones out there, but, um, I have been using Metagenics, um, ultra, ultra bio, ultra bio something. There's, it's the only ultra one there, but it's on Metagenics. Um, there's also, I also use, what else have I used? We use the Garden of Life brand um, for short-term for patients. That seems to do well. I'll look up the Metagenics. Is that metagenics.com? Yeah, metagenics.com is the one that yeah. I have been using. It's ultra, okay. it's ultra Flora, I think is the name of it. So Okay. And then the but next question. There are question. other good ones, I should say. I, just because I don't know. It's just the ones that have done, that have data on it. Um, yeah. So there aren't, there isn't enough data yet to know which ones are good or safe. So often what I do is if you have a probiotic, I go to consumerlab.com and I'll look it up because that will tell you whether the, if they've done a um, test on it, it'll tell you whether it's been approved, whether it has what it says it has, what it, whether it's safe. And so I often, if someone comes in with a different probiotic, I'll look it up on, on that and see if it's um, a good one. So. Yeah, that's actually a great uh, device. I've been on the consumer labs for a long time. And so patients bring it in. It's a foreign brand to me and I'll look it up. It's, it's very helpful because they actually do independent testing, which is phenomenal. Right. That's a big deal. All right. So Kip is asking, interesting question here, and I'm, I'll put my two essence in after you answer. Um, I began uh, taking 50 micrograms of levothyroxine a year ago for minimal hypothyroidism. So when we say minimal, it could be also described as subclinical. Um, TSH was 4.4, <clears throat> which is just bright at, you know, high level normal or just outside of that, depending on which lab, prior to medications, which now I su suspect was caused by low iodine. And now that I take an iodine supplement and decrease stress, I'm tempted to stop taking the meds and retest my TSH and also iodine. Thoughts on this approach? So you started taking it because your, your TSH was 4.4. Oh, at the beginning. Right. Okay. So he's like subclinical, treating a subclinical case. Yep. yep. And how are you feeling now? Or I guess you can't uh, really answer. I guess you can type it. But. Um, so Kip, I'm going to, hold on, let me find Kip. Did we lose Kip? Oh, there he is. I'm going to allow him to talk, okay? Sure. Let me unmute you. Okay. Whoop. Why is it? Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm attempting to unmute. All right. 
disable. Nope, I did that. It's unmuting. Maybe Kip, maybe you've muted yourself. I can't unmute you. I'm trying to click the unmute, but it won't let me. But if you would like to ask, but if you want to go ahead and start answering, I've allowed him to talk. I just don't know how to, it won't let me unmute him. Yeah, for um, hypothyroid with a 4.4, those are the people that I think I see people resolve or improve more with a whole food plant-based diet. So if you're following a whole food plant-based anti-inflammatory diet and you're feeling good right now and you're taking your iodine um, 150 micrograms a day, however you're getting that in, whether it's through a supplement or through um, kelp or somewhat sort of sea, sea vegetable, then yeah, I, and you're, you're on a low dose, I believe you said. So I would have someone do an experiment and see how they do. We could do, we could try cutting it back and watch how they're doing. Yep. Um, but since would, I'm your physician, I would not tell you that without you talking to your physician to let them know if you were going to make a change like that. Cause I don't know your whole health history. I don't know if you have something else going on with you. So to be safe, I would um, want you to work with a doctor. And we have licensed physicians in California. So it sounds like you need an appointment, but he says, I don't have a mic microphone set up so I couldn't do it. And he goes, I, I generally felt unchanged. Okay. Yeah. So you would be someone who might be do really well rechecking it and seeing where you are. But I'd, like I said, I would definitely do that with this assistant of a physician because there are other reasons. There are other things going on with people and without knowing your whole health history, I would hate to just say that and have something go wrong. So um, but yeah, that you would, I would think you'd have a good chance of doing well. Excellent. And looks like another question from Todi Gaynor, uh, diet and ankylosing spondylitis. Mm, yeah. So ankylosing spondylitis is a tough one. I have seen some patients just, um, severe, severe back pain. And what that is, and for those of you who don't know, is the, the vertebrae of the spine actually kind of fuse together. So people get really stiff and can't move and it can be extremely painful and limiting, but like all autoimmune diseases, it's inflammation and it's, um, starts in the gut. So a whole food plant-based diet is, is, um, really, really strongly important to reduce that inflammation. The results of that depend a lot on how early and how late once it's end organ. So once it's really fused, um, that will not be able to resolve itself. So right. what you want to do is halt it immediately because you can stop it from worsening. And that's really the goal. But the other thing with ankylosing spinalis, as well as all of these autoimmune diseases, and I should say that even if we don't fully reverse, like for me, my goal is to fully reverse. I have to fully reverse or I failed. But I realize now that the comorbidities are just as bad. And so people with autoimmune diseases are significantly have significantly increased risk of heart attacks and strokes and blood clots and cancers and all these other things, um, diabetes. So it's really important for us to change to the whole food plant-based diet to reduce these comorbidities. And I bring that up with ankylosing spondylitis because a recent article just came out about increased risk of heart attacks in people with AS. And so at the least we can reduce your risk of ever having that again, and we can halt it from exactly where it is right now to never get worse. So, um, and if you notice that you're still worsening or having acute inflammation, then we want to look at your diet and really get to a whole food plant-based healing diet. And um, so, yeah, it's really, really important. And I have seen people do well with it, who are especially earlier on or medium on who, who but any, at any point, another strong link, which um, I, I always forget to bring up, but smoking. So um, you really don't want to smoke and you really don't want to be around smokers because that's been shown to significantly worsen it as well. So um, one more question here, and then we'll turn it over for Chris for you to talk about um, immunity real quick while we're in this COVID bit. Andrew has another great question. Um, so only if we have time for another question, which I, 
we can go as long as we need. Um, is it okay to begin a whole food plant-based diet while still on medication? Any risk of putting someone at risk of excess medication toxicity if they improve quickly on a whole food plant-based diet? Awesome question. Thank you for that. Um, so the answer is no, there's no risk and it should be done to me. Um, and I actually, when I was in Aspen, I'm working on that now again, but I worked with the rheumatologist. So as soon as the, you, the way it should be done is if someone has a severe autoimmune disease, if they need a prescription for medication, which sometimes we do, they're bridges to help us while we're so acutely sick. But if they need that prescription for medication, they should also have a prescription to a whole food plant-based diet. They go hand in hand. Um, early on, you know, you just start with the diet when it's really severe, and if they if you need a medication, you need it. Uh, but yes, you it's yes, you should be doing the whole food plant based diet with it. Really, really, really important because any of the toxicity of the medication, which the, those are there in every single medication you ever put in your body, including something like ibuprofen, Tylenol, always it's always going to have a result that you don't want. That's the toxicity, and. Um, the whole food plant-based diet is one of the most protective things you could possibly do. And so what happens typically with autoimmune people is you start to feel better and you, people always ask me, what does that mean? Well, whatever symptoms you're having, you'll start to feel decrease in that. And even if you're not feeling pain, your energy starts to go up, your mental clarity starts to come back, your digestion starts to regulate and you just feel different. And I would just say that often, I didn't even know why I felt different, but I could always tell my inflammation was down. I knew, I knew when I was getting my blood drawn that my inflammation was going to be down or if I was stressed out. And I, I knew it was going to be high that day. Like I could totally feel that. And so you'll start to feel that feeling, whatever symptoms you're having are going down. And um, then that's, you know, the drugs, well, the drugs are always going to be toxic in our bodies, but you won't get an increased risk just because you're eating healthy, but um, you don't need it. So at that point, what happens when you start to see your antibodies go down, when you see your inflammatory markers go down, when you're working with your rheumatologist, or your doctor, and your, your, your markers are improving and you're feeling well, that's when you work with them and you start cutting it back in slow stepwise fashion. Um, and that is the right time. That means you're getting the results that you want. So, and if you don't get the results right away, then we start troubleshooting, like I said, all these other things, whether it's diet, whether it's all the other factors that are affecting until we start to get the results. And we don't cut back any medications until we're getting those results. And then we start cutting back on medications. That's fabulous. Um, so I think we'll just, there was a question regarding Plavix after stroke and wanting to know if we should take that. It's not really related to autoimmunity, but just a quick side note from that. Um, Kimberly, you know, that really needs to be discussed with your neurologist um, regarding your risk factors. So I would never stop a medication like that without speaking to them first. Um, you know, others who take Plavix or people who've had, you know, bypasses and things like that. So it's a medication that can have significant consequences, especially if you have AFib, you know, atrial fibrillation is, could have been the cause of the stroke. So there's some really caveats to stopping a medication like that. So it's not something that we should be answering here, but it's certainly something we can discuss in an appointment or discuss it with your doc saying, hey, I've eliminated all my risk factors. You know, maybe your cholesterol is well controlled, your blood pressure controlled, you don't have atrial fibrillation. Um, and that might be something to discuss with your doc, but that's a great question. So um, do you wanna talk a little bit about our immune system and this COVID-19 that we're all worried about and you know that type of thing and stress that you were mentioning earlier? Yeah, this is just kind of a general thing for all of us, all of us right now, but especially those of us that are immunosuppressed or don't have the healthiest immune systems, this is the time to do it. So for anyone who had any doubt or wasn't sure or really wasn't going for it completely, 
Um, even me, I've stepped up my diet right now. I've really stepped it up. And it, there are limitations right now because it's hard to go out and get fresh produce. And so, you know, we're making some changes, but it's really, really important right now that we take care of ourselves. Um, in fact, I would make, I'd say even to make it through a priority. So um, what that means to me is I'm right back on my healing anti-inflammatory diet. Um, I am eating a lot of vegetables. Many of them are cooked because I can't get, I know I'm only going to the store once every two weeks and I'm not going myself. Um, I'm really kind of hibernating away right now, but um, I'm only going once every two weeks. And um, so what we're getting, we're buying stuff that lasts longer in the fridge, like heads of cabbage. Cabbage lasts like a month. So you can be cutting cabbage and eating a little bit of raw cabbage every day. Um, carrots, carrots last like a month in the fridge. Celery lasts a little while um, in the fridge. Um, and then when I buy the leafy green vegetables like kale and collards, that won't last, but maybe five days or something pushing it. So that stuff I'm blending, I'm chopping up and I'm cooking into soups so that I can um, heat the soup and get those micronutrients in through a soup. So I'm preparing, I'm pre-preparing pre all of these foods that I can then freeze um, and then have a little bit of fresh um, romaine lettuce will last a couple weeks in the fridge if you've ever bought those. So buy those longer lasting things that you can keep for a little bit um, longer and get a little bit of raw in your everyday raw crucifers. Um, I want to say that I'm eating broccoli every day, but that goes bad. So that'll last maybe a week in the fridge. And then after that, I don't have the broccoli, but I still have the cabbage. So that's good. So do just do the best you can. That's all I tell people. But it's really important to get your vegetables in right now. Cook some soups when you do get, get to the store um, and freeze them and have your raw veggies and have your whole grains. If, you're, if you tolerate whole grains, um, unrefined, whole, intact whole grains and your legumes, especially if, you especially if you tolerate legumes as well. So, and a little bit of nuts and seeds. It's really important to eat cleanly. Um, so that's the first step. And then the second thing that is really, really important. I'm feeling it myself. And so I, I'm guessing many other people are feeling as well is the anxiety. This is a really stressful time watching the world financially. We're all totally stressed out right now about it. And you know, it's scary what's happening, watching every day, watching the news. It's like, it's so horrific. And we're worried for our own health because we have these compromised immune systems. So this is terrifying. And it's one of those things that's back on my shoulders all the time. And so I'm really focusing on my mind body um, work. So that means meditating again in the morning. That might mean pulling out my puzzles again, which I haven't used in a while, but I'm pulling them back out because I gotta just take my mind off things. It might mean finding good books on Kindle so I can be reading something, to, something fun to just just lose my mind and connecting with friends, maybe by Zoom or FaceTime or whatever means I can to still stay in touch. A cup of herbal tea. I drink herbal tea all day long because I always feel calming when I drink my herbal teas. Um, so whatever you need to do, make sure you're doing it right now. Um, if you need to talk to someone about it, definitely do. If you want to talk to a doctor about helping you really get your, your um, nutrition and your lifestyle on track for your autoimmune, this is the time to go for it. But um, I would really pay attention to that. If you're feeling the stress, if you're not sleeping well, if you're, um, you can feel it all the time, it's a major factor. And it actually caused me, my joints started acting up a little bit, <clears throat> which they hadn't really been at all. And so I have had to step up my own um, mind body tricks to help me. So that has been a big role. And so that was, that was my main message to everyone was one, we have to stay home, really protect yourself, isolate yourself, stay away from um, exposures. And two, um, to make sure that you are eating very clean, make sure you're getting sleep and really work on that mind body like nothing else. And healthy people don't have to do what we have to do, but we really have to do this. So um, I would say really pay attention to that.
I think that's fabulous advice. And just a couple of other things that might be helpful is um, I would guys check out drjud.com and also his website or his uh, YouTube. It says Dr. Judd. And he's put together some, if you guys are familiar with the podcast, I've interviewed him multiple times, but he does a two to you know, like a five minute every morning, you know, you know, help to calm the nerves in mindfulness during this time. So it's really cool. Check him out. He's an addiction psychiatrist. He has some really helpful hints. And the other thing is, um, it's called Hamama. Uh, if you go to hamama.com, it's H-A-M-A-M-A.com. Um, they're like little, you get these little sheets and you can grow microgreens over a course of 10 days. Literally, you just add water and we have them going all the time. So like we'll have one and then we just put in the next. And the great thing about it is people just come by like, oh, I made a you know, chickpea salad sandwich. I'm going to chop off some greens and throw them on there. So that's another way. And they have kale and broccoli sprouts and that type of thing. So that's another thing that might be super helpful. Oh, I and, forgot to say that. Thank you for reminding me. So that hamama.com is awesome. You told me about that. Yeah. And another one is, I would say, I tell people now um, is grow your own greens. Yeah. So yes. if you have a pot and you have any dirt, anything you throw together, things like kale, lettuces, they are weeds basically. And so they'll grow in a month. You'll get them in a month. And I'm not a gardener. I do not have a green thumb, but that's, those are the only things I can grow are my greens. So yeah. um, I have little pots growing around my house right now. So in, within the next couple of weeks, I should have a little of something. So if you can't get out to buy it, at least you have something fresh. So that's, yes, yeah, that's a great idea. And we have a few um, other uh, suggestions as well. Uh, Jean says, if you put a damp paper towel in with your leafy greens, then put them in a slightly open Ziploc bag that will last longer in the fridge. I work for a veggie farm. Awesome. Thank you for that yeah. tip. I that. need to interview Miss Jean about some yeah, things. Love it. Keep that. And then Kip says, thank you both for so much for your generous um, with your time and sharing all the wisdom. But no, thank you guys for actually yeah. you know, joining us. We really appreciate that. And you guys, I, I really hope that you share this information and share, you know, that Chris is now available on here. And really, we want to encourage people to do as much as they can for their own health. But if when you need that extra help, that's why we're, we're launching this. And thanks to Anthony for being the constant, like, let's get it done. <laughs> so um, and thanks I wanted, again. I wanted to say too, that it means a lot to me to have you all here because it's also hard for me right now. I've been, I can feel it. And so it's really helpful to connect with other people to know that we're in this together. I always say together, we're healthier. Like you're helping me just as much as I'm able to share what I've learned to help you get you there and watching other people improve and, and we guide each other. We're all, so um, it really means a lot that you're here and I hope that you all are feeling, feeling great and staying healthy and getting better and better during this time. Maybe this is just what we need to really step up our health. So thank you. Yep. Everyone. Yeah. Thank you everyone for uh, joining us. And so what we'll be doing is we'll be making this recording available and we'll be posting it also on our Facebook page, the uh, plant-based telehealth, and we'll also place it on YouTube we're having a little issue about streaming to both at once. And for some reason it didn't stream live to Facebook this time, but I'm going to let the computer guy, Anthony, help me figure that out. And uh, yeah, so thank you again. And Anthony, do you have anything final to say? Nope. Just thanks again to everyone for joining. It was great. Wonderful discussion. Thank you, Chris, for answering so many questions and, and, well, Dr. Miller or Dr. Marbus, <laughs> getting used Boring. to that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought it was fantastic. And thanks everyone for attending. Yep. So thanks everyone. And Chris, any uh, final words of wisdom? Um, I would say to everyone, just to take what I've said before, just to take care of yourselves and um, don't get stressed. If things aren't perfect, just do your best to um, have gratitude, 
and realize this is a moment in time. It's part of history and we're going to get through it and stay strong and really self-care and reach out to others. We're here for you. We're a community too. And, and we're all in this together and we'll get through. So take care of yourselves. Absolutely. And we'll be here every Sunday um, unless, you know, something happens or travel or something, but then I'm sure one of us can continue it. So thanks again, guys. And we appreciate you and uh, we're signing off. Have a great night. Bye everyone. Bye -bye. Take care.